0: Snuff Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Tuesday the 20th of July. Tom Tilly with you, joined by Annika Smithhurst.
1: Morning, Tom. In today's briefing, the US intelligence report into UFOs, or as they call them, unidentified aerial phenomena.
2: The US military has been studying UFOs since the 1940s, mostly in secret. So this is just them sort of coming out of the closet, if you like, and just being a little more transparent about what they've been doing for a long time.
0: So are the US intelligence agencies taking UFOs seriously? That is our briefing up in just a moment. It was requested by a briefing listener, by the way. You can always jump in with your request, Send us a DM on Instagram. First, here are today's headlines.
1: Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews will today reveal how long the state's lockdown will last after extending it beyond those initial five days.
0: This lockdown will be on only for as long as it needs to be, but I don't want a situation where we fail to end these chains of transmission, only to open and then be closed again. So that's Dan Andrews there, the Premier. The lockdown was meant to end at midnight tonight, but was extended. We're just going to find out how much. Uh, The state's at 81 active cases, and that means almost 15,000 close contacts are in isolation.
1: State health authorities are also now referring to a man who caught the virus from those Sydney removalists and passed it on to others at the MCG game and City Pub as an accidental super spreader. Now, Tom, that's also put in doubt. Large gatherings like AFL matches mm. in the future, they're now under review.
0: So the whole season could be in question in terms of crowds?
1: Uh, they're saying they might be able to come in, but they're talking about everything like proof you've been vaccinated, more mask wearing, fewer people at games. It looks like the season will go ahead in some way, but all those big events like that Wallabies match has also been identified as mm. a super spreader event. I don't think we're going to be able to get there in the same rate we were before this happened.
0: And so from the calls you've been making, um, what are your expectations about the lockdown extension in Victoria?
1: I was talking to some ministers last night. They were still working through the figures, but we're hearing three-day extension, maybe five-day extension. If I was taking a bet, I'd say they'll extend it to Sunday. Why get people out on a Saturday or send kids back to school on a Friday? I think everyone's already cancelled their weekend plans. It's not like you can go up to Sydney for the weekend. Hmm. So I think at this stage, maybe to the weekend.
0: Well, even Adelaide are tightening their restrictions after a couple of cases there too.
1: The mother of two Sydney removalists charged for allegedly travelling to regional New South Wales whilst infected with COVID has become the fifth death in the state's latest outbreak.
0: Yeah, police allege the brothers kept driving to central west New South Wales despite getting the news from New South Wales Health that one of them had COVID. Superintendent Stephen Kentwell from New South Wales Police yesterday dismissed the men's claims that they didn't know enough English to understand the call they'd received from health authorities.
2: My understanding is that they can speak some English, um, but they did understand the the um, seriousness of, of the positive test. Um, that's something that obviously will be before the court and will be thrashed out in the legal argument.
0: This is a tragic story, Annika, that... These men are going to face court for doing the wrong thing, but also losing their mother and they've been splashed all over the news.
1: Yeah, an incredibly tough situation there. 98 new cases in New South Wales yesterday. They're struggling to get it too far away from that 100 mark, but they've opened two new mass vaccination centres in Sydney CBD and on the Central Coast. And that's right as our biggest shipment of Pfizer landed yesterday, bringing a million doses into the country.
0: Australia's taken the unusual step in naming and condemning China for a mass cyber attack.
1: Last night, in a coordinated release with the UK, the US and EU, the Australian Home Affairs and Defence Ministers said they had serious concerns about malicious cyber activities by China's Ministry of State Security.
0: Yeah, and they condemned the hacking of Microsoft Exchange software that affected tens of thousands of computers in January this year. So Annika, is this a big deal that the government are actually naming China in relation to this attack?
1: Yeah, we have so many of these sort of hacks and journalists will run off and ask questions of the government, who did it? And all we get is, you know, it was a state actor. They rarely, rarely name them. So obviously they've wanted to do it as a group. None of these countries have wanted to come out alone. And you can only imagine that would be because of China's reaction. So to have the UK, the US, EU and Australia all at once release this same statement pointing out that this is China is quite serious and it comes amid so many other tensions we're having with China. Recently, we had a ship just off Queensland watching us train with the US. We've, of course, had those trade tensions. So it's part of a, a bigger scenario that's going on at the moment.
0: And I think people might be happy to see that we did it alongside our allies instead of leading the charge and you know potentially copying even more punishment in our exports.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much that will actually make a difference. You know, we did call for that uh, investigation into the coronavirus, but a lot of other countries joined us and we copped the blame there. So it'll be interesting to see how they react to this one
0: former New South Wales minister will return to jail and and another's also facing prison after both were found guilty of a conspiracy.
1: Former mining minister Ian MacDonald was found to have committed numerous acts of misconduct that financially benefited his parliamentary colleague Eddie Obeid, also a former minister.
0: Yeah, the two were also found guilty of conspiring with Obeid's son Moses to have MacDonald make decisions on granting mining leases that benefited the Obeid family and gave them inside knowledge of where and when mining companies would be buying land. The prosecutors told the court the decision netted the Obeids $30 million.
1: Eddie Obeeds already served a three-year jail term after he was convicted of misconduct in public office over secret dealings involving businesses his family owned in Sydney's Circular Quay.
0: Prince Harry is releasing a tell-all memoir. The statement's come out from the publisher, Penguin Random House, that says, uh, In an intimate and heartfelt memoir from one of the most fascinating and influential global figures of our time, Prince Harry will share, for the very first time... The definitive account of the experience, adventure, losses and life lessons that have helped shape him. It'll be out next year. What do you think of that, Annika?
1: Uh, I'm not surprised. (laughs) This is a bit of a pattern for Harry and Meghan at the moment. It's definitely not in line with the royal family who usually never explain, never complain and all that. Stiff upper lip, but he's moved to America. He's a free man. He can do what he wants now.
0: I wonder if he'll complain about his family much in the book. What do you reckon?
1: I can't imagine he signed up with a publishing house uh, to say nothing about the royal family. I'm sure that was in the contract because that would be conditional on a lot of sales, I would have thought.
0: I can't believe they said for the first time in the statement, like he's just spent a whole year talking about his pain and his story. I, I love the guy, but I think a lot of people are sick of hearing it. He's done a a Spotify deal, he's done a streaming deal, he's done the Oprah interview, and now we'll read about it in a book as well. All right, up next, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. Well, today's briefing is going a little bit X-Files. And that's all thanks to a briefing listener called Beth.
1: Hi guys, my name is Beth, and I was just requesting if you could cover the story of the UFO report that was recently released by the US government. I just want to know a bit more about it, how it's gone from a kind of crazy conspiracy theory to a bit more of a mainstream story. And I'd like to know a bit more detail about how long it's been going on, these sightings, how long it's been taken seriously by the US government, and what it could mean for all of us. Thanks.
0: Well, thank you, Beth. It's a great suggestion. It's actually something that had caught our attention too, Annika.
1: Yeah, and as Beth says, on June 25, the US Director of National Intelligence did put out a report on UFOs. They called them something slightly different, though. The report was titled Preliminary Assessment Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. It looked at 144 sightings and follows on from a move by the Department of Defence in April last year to declassify 3 UAP videos taken by naval pilots. <laughs>
2: oh, <God! laughs> Roger. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the SA. My gosh. Oh, thing, dude.
0: So those videos got a lot of attention, understandably. This is Barack Obama responding to a question about them on James Corden's show.
2: Uh, there's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are.
0: So let's see what this report revealed about those objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. Uh, Professor Chris Impey is a professor in astronomy at the University of Arizona. He's uh, an author and the former vice president of the American Astronomical
2: Society.
1: Chris, you're a professor and you've written extensively on the search for life. Have you ever seen a UFO?
2: Never have. I've talked to people who have. I get lots of emails and videos sent to me, but I've never seen one.
1: And when we talk about unidentified flying objects, what are we talking about here? Is it anything you could see in the sky that doesn't have an explanation?
2: You could. I mean, I'm an astronomer, so I'm sort of trained to look at the sky, you know, with a critical eye. And most UFOs, when you can say where and when they were and at what angle in the sky, you can identify with astronomical objects like Venus or uh, the moon. Sometimes it's weather balloons. You know, more than half of UFO sightings can be very simply explained. And a lot of the rest are just not enough information for a scientist to analyze it.
0: So this report has really got people's attention. I mean, the fact that it came from the Director of National Intelligence that they're even looking into UFO sightings or UAP, as they called them. How did this report come about?
2: Well, uh, Congress essentially told them to make a report. So there have been senior people in Congress like Harry Reid, the former Democratic Majority Leader going back decades, and more recently Marco Rubio, who was the one who asked for this report, There have been people in Congress who've been interested in this and have been following it. Now, of course, the military, the U.S. military, has been studying UFOs since the 1940s, mostly in secret. So this is just them sort of coming out of the closet, if you like, and just being a little more transparent about what they've been doing for a long time.
1: Interestingly, the report doesn't call them UFOs. They've changed it to UAPs, as Tom just said. So what was the reason behind that? And is it just about giving it a little bit more... I guess, credentials?
2: Yeah, I, I think rather than giving it more credentials, it was extricating it from the sort of miasma of uh, baggage associated with UFOs. Because UFOs are not just UFOs unidentified flying objects. They're looped into the conspiracy theories and to crop circles and alien abductions. And I think they just wanted to hit a reset on that by picking a new acronym.
1: So broadly... What did the report find?
2: Really disappointing. Nine pages, you know, cost $22 million. I was thinking not very good bang for the buck. So they studied 144 sightings, mostly by Navy pilots over 12-, 15-year period. Only one could be positively identified, and that was a slowly deflating weather balloon. And that was my feeling metaphorically reading the report, just a slow deflation. Of, oh, my goodness, this is a disappointment. This is an anticlimax. And the rest, they just definitively don't categorize. They don't have enough information. They did talk about sensor errors. And if you scan the report, the word alien or extraterrestrial and, of course, UFO, they don't appear anywhere in the report. So they stay well clear of that.
0: So they don't give any indication of whether there's any extraterrestrial involvement?
2: They don't give any positive sign of that. They don't don't give oxygen to that hypothesis, if you like. The reason this came from the Director of National Intelligence is because of the national security implication if, for example, some of these were a foreign adversary of the United States, you know, sort of hypersonic drone technology of the Chinese or the Russians. That's a concern, as is the concern that these things are being seen by Navy pilots rather too frequently, you know, their incursions into American airspace or their possible hazards for Navy pilots. So that's why the national security threat is taken seriously, then that's why this report really came about.
1: So it tried to classify these 144 semi-recent sightings into different sort of areas of what they could be, and that could be debris like plastic bags or an Mm -hmm. atmospheric phenomenon. So they managed to do that with all bar one incident. What do we know about the one unexplained incident that didn't fit into one of these categories?
2: Um, well, yeah, and one of their categories, of course, was other, which is mm. a wonderfully <laughs> descriptive and evocative term. It means you don't know, you don't have a clue. I think the one that you're talking about, and, and many of the 144, they just don't have very much data. They were told by Congress to go back and do your homework, come back in three months and figure out a way to get better, more consistent data, and also overcome the squeamishness that military personnel have on reporting these sightings because they really do want to know if there's threats out there. That's important to them to know it.
1: About 50% of Americans believe in UFOs. So do you think inconclusive findings like that will actually fuel the interest in UFOs?
2: No, I think it's it's really inconclusive because, and people will retreat to their corners. I mean, the people who've always liked conspiracy theories and are sure the government, the US government, knows more than they're letting on, they'll continue to believe that. There was a classified annex to this report, you know, which, of course, didn't get made public. So they'll attribute that to all the real aliens there in that part. So people will just continue to believe what they want to believe. And 50 percent of the country (laughs) obviously thinks we're being visited by aliens. And so this report won't sway them one way or the other. They already made up their minds on the scientists on the other side who are skeptics. They don't have anything to change their minds because there's just no data in the report. It didn't move the ball very far, I would say.
0: So is there anything juicy in that classified annex that you're talking about, do you think?
2: You know, it's, of course, hard to tell because I am i don't mm. have security clearance. Various media reports, New York Times and others talking to unnamed Pentagon sources said that those who had seen the classified annex said there's nothing in there either. You know, there's certainly no talk of... Of aliens in the annex that you didn't get into the main report. So it doesn't seem like there's anything startling in the annex either. And they're going to come back in a few months and really not report more sightings. They're going to just say how they are going to do a better job of gathering data in a more consistent way. And hopefully, I would think, you know, getting some scientific experts as well as their own national security experts to look at that data.
0: So there were three videos released or declassified last year from the Department of Defense. And they got a lot of attention. Did they have a role in this report coming about? And did the report explain those three incidents in particular?
2: Those sightings did have a role in in triggering the report. They were leaked in that 2017, actually. And it wasn't until last year that the military said, Oh yes, they are ours. And you know, and then the military released them as well. We already knew. So they did play a role in it. It was that sort of harsh spotlight on the Pentagon for being secret about all this that I think triggered Congress into saying, hey, you know, give us a report. Let's be more transparent about this.
1: I wanted to ask about the credibility of witnesses because a number of these sightings were by Navy pilots who seem to perhaps have more credibility over people in their backyard with a handy cam or an iPhone. Do you think the credibility of witness matters? And did they take that into account in this report?
2: Um, yes, they know their pilots are highly trained and are, you know, obviously looking out for everything in the skies that might threaten them and they're good at what they do, but they only can work within the realm of their training and their experience. And so when you see something unexpected that doesn't fit the patterns of things you're trained to look at and understand, then you, you're no better, you know, you're a newborn baby when it comes to that. And of course, there's a enormous literature in the psychology world about how expert witness testimony can be highly flawed. I mean, that's the worst thing you ever want to be is convicted in a in a jury trial based on eyewitness testimony, because it's incredibly flawed in general, even from experts. So you can't just take it to the bank. I think the data that we would talk about to make a hypothesis of an alien spacecraft has got to be sort of data based on uh, sensors, you know, just real data. Maybe there's some eyewitness account that goes along with it. But just pure eyewitness reporting is never going to decide this issue.
0: So Chris, to sum up your response to this report and everything that's come into it and come out of it, would you say that it's basically revealed nothing and only further fueled speculation about UFOs?
2: Yeah, the slowly deflating balloon is is how I'd describe it. And yes, it will, into the void of it not mentioning the word alien or extraterrestrial and not drawing no conclusions on that hypothesis, into that void, of course, will continue to flow all the speculation, all the conspiracy theories and so on. So yes, it's not going to damp that down in any way.
0: And do you think there's life beyond Earth?
2: I do. I mean, as a statistical matter, I do, because the hunt for exoplanets, planets around other stars, has been phenomenally successful in the last few decades. And based on our local part of the galaxy, we're projecting tens of billions of habitable planets in just our galaxy and tons of time for them to have evolved life, you know, well beyond our level, for example. However, it doesn't then follow. You can't connect the dots and say, well, it must be out there and they must exist and they must have visited. That's a big extrapolation. But as far as the question of the existence of life elsewhere, most astronomers, yeah, they think there is likely to be life. Of course, most of it will be microbial, just as most of life on Earth for most of the history of the Earth was microbial and not sort of big animals like us.
0: That was Professor Chris Impey from the University of Arizona. Interesting, Annika, that he was very sceptical about the report, but not sceptical about the probability of life out there in the galaxy.
1: I've done a little bit of reading from Professor Chris over the years and he makes a good point. A lot of these sightings are seen over the US and nowhere else. Now, I'm not saying they're any more prone to conspiracy theories, but he argues that if this is somebody trying to contact us, why are they only seen over the US? So. There is a few questions I think we need answered, but the idea that there's life out there, he supports that.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, if you were an alien, which country would you go to first? Would you go to America?
1: <laughs> it's like they have a choice. I think they're obviously, if they're throwing plastic bag like debris into our atmosphere, I don't know how much choice they're having in where they actually land. But no, it wouldn't be my first place, Tom. I think I'd be landing
0: in Europe somewhere. Tomorrow on The Briefing, do people in Melbourne have a right to be angry about the Sydney outbreak and the damage it's caused them in Victoria? Listener.